I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is John Fudernecht, author, executive coach, and trainer. His new book is Leading in the Global Matrix, Proven Skills and Strategies to Succeed in a Collaborative World. The global pandemic is disrupting our world on every level. Business and people are both at a breaking point. With crisis management, the norm and every day filled with bad news and anxieties, the emotional, mental, and physical toll on leaders is immense. Worse, stress and anxiety can compromise the immune system, which could spell disaster. To be effective, leaders need to show up as their best selves no matter what. That takes strategies, skills, and self-awareness. John Fruderneck shows why leaders need to turn away from their instincts to sacrifice their health to ensure their organization's survival and how to put their well-being first. He's a veteran, executive coach, and leadership development trainer who's worked with leaders at some of the world's largest companies, including many Fortune 500s. Welcome to the show, John. Nice to have you here. Thank you very much, Catherine. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, I, I don't want to, not to repeat, but it's really critical at this time to have leadership, leadership at the top, leadership in middle management. We need leadership, leadership, leadership. I'm not so sure we're getting it on all levels. Maybe we can talk about that. But, okay, so we're in this crisis, COVID-19. What do we know, What do leaders have to do differently than they've done before the pandemic? Um, what's changed? Yeah, it's a great question, Catherine. And and the the piece that I've been really, frankly, pushing hard uh, with the leaders and executives that I've been working with over the last couple of months is just to really raise their awareness that um, regardless of their level of commitment, which is their uh, whatever grit and sort of ability to power through that they inherently have. And again, leaders in global business before COVID-19 had to have an extraordinary amount of resilience to be effective. But what I'm uh, pointing to and, and trying to highlight is that we're living in, in a unique set of demands and challenges, many of which you highlighted in the intro. Um, the levels of anxiety that are permeating are unprecedented. The frustration, the anguish, uh, the uncertainty, the disruption, and, and frankly, Catherine, most of the leaders I'm working with are saying that the demand on their time in terms of meetings starting at the wee hours of the morning and going late into night uh, has only increased. And so the risk, I think the main thing that we have to embrace as leaders is that we are flesh and blood. We do have limits and constraints, regardless of our will and desire. We have nervous systems that have limits. And if we don't put plans in place to address this avalanche of difficulty that's coming at our nervous systems, our stress levels, our emotional uh, well-being, and so forth, eventually that accumulation is going to get to us. And it's going to get to us both in terms of leadership uh, behaviors. And by the way, I'm happy to go into more depth, if you'd like, around nervous systems and, and how that works and impacts leadership. But if we're not careful... Uh, we run the risk of becoming what I call the boiled frog, and, and that's an analogy uh, you've perhaps heard before. It's this idea that, obviously, I've never tried this myself, uh, but <laughs> apparently uh, if you, you place a, a frog in water that's already boiling, it can instantly sense the danger and spring out uh, into safety. Uh, but apparently if you put that same or, or a frog in water and bring it to a slow boil, uh, by the time it becomes aware of the danger, it's already been weakened and cannot escape, and hence the boiled frog. And, and that, to me, is the first thing leaders need to accept, that there is this very real risk, especially as we're six weeks, seven weeks into this, the accumulation is going to start to impact more people, uh, and that is where uh, we need to start. 
So, John, are you saying it's insidious? I mean, the frog analogy that you're giving, it sounds like it's, it's, it's insidious because your whole system can begin to break down as a leader when you're in this crisis management mode actually all the time, isn't it? Usually crisis management, there's a crisis and then you resolve it or you don't, but then it goes away and like it's not going away and you don't even know where it's going. So it, it's this constant state of crisis and anxiety and, and the impact it has on your immune system. Yeah, so what do leaders do? I mean, you just described the problem. Um, how can they mitigate all of this, the, the, the pressures physical, emotional, financial, that they're experiencing every day. Yeah, absolutely. So, Catherine, the plan that I uh, recommend to the leaders, and I've had a chance now to work with a lot of teams uh, with global businesses, is, is sort of three main components, but just to focus on the first two that address what you've just described. Is first, uh, we need to acknowledge that we have to be proactive in essentially doing our best to neutralize all of what's coming at us. And I just generally call these strengthening our resilience practices. And the key there is that those practices need to be efficient. They need to be practical because people don't have a lot of right now is time. Um, but they also have to uh, address these very real challenges. So we need things that are going to help us reduce and re- relieve stress as it accumulates throughout the day, but also increase our ability to, to handle stress. We need to do things that will naturally boost positive emotions, optimism, confidence, calm, enthusiasm, Uh, but also for a lot of leaders because they're spending so much time in meetings, we need to ensure that our brains stay sharp and we can stay creative and innovative and present. So there's three specific practices that I'm a big uh, advocate of. Uh, The first one that I'm really encouraging leaders is the importance of moving and maintaining movement. And Catherine, you're probably more an expert on this than I am, but the, the latest neuroscience and what it tells us about what gets released into our brain when we just raise our heart rates even for five, ten minutes. It doesn't have to be an hour on a Peloton. Uh, you don't have to have an you know, extraordinarily rigorous exercise regime, although if you do, uh, more power to you. But we release these neurotransmitters, the dopamine, the serotonin, the norepinephrine, BDNF, and it just has this extraordinarily positive impact from, as I said, uh, inoculating us from stress, Uh, It interrupts anxiety cycles, it enhances our mood, uh, and it even helps us learn and concentrate and stay creative. So that's the first piece that I strongly advocate, uh, that I'm also a big proponent of gratitude and and cultivating gratitude. Uh, Again, I'm sure that you and your listeners are probably aware of, of the power of that as an intentional practice. And what I really push is to remind leaders that the reason that gratitude has been such a popular topic in books and journals and apps is because, unfortunately, as humans, as you know, we're not naturally wired uh, toward gratitude. We have this negativity bias, right, where we're in good times. We're always looking at what's wrong, what should be different, and, and what's going to happen or go badly. But now we're in a context where a lot is wrong, and it's very easy for that negativity bias to be amplified, and therefore we can just get sucked into the anxiety and the anguish and the uncertainty if we don't counteract it. And then the final one, uh, which, again, I love because you can get benefits in two to three minutes, are slow-controlled breathing techniques, uh, right? So whether you want to use terms like mindfulness or meditation, uh, what I emphasize with my leaders who maybe consider that woo-woo or pop psychology is that these are the same techniques that they teach military combatants. They're the same techniques they're teaching first responders, elite athletes. This is about the straight neuroscience that says uh, if we're willing to do exercises, and again, I'm happy to share some simple ones if you'd like, Catherine, uh, that I share with my leaders will have an instant impact on our levels of anxiety, uh, on creating calm, positive emotions, ability to stay present, uh, cognitive overload gets reduced, I could go on. 
And so what I stress to leaders is by engaging in these practices that collectively won't take you more than 30 minutes a day, uh, you are going to do an awful lot to combat what's coming at you, stay in a healthy place, and take care of yourself. Uh, so, so that is uh, the first place that I, I really start, um, Catherine, with folks to say that this is where you can take control back. And that's the other piece that I always try to emphasize with folks. In a crisis like this, really easy to feel out of control. Uh, we're pulled in so many directions at work, at home, and incidentally, especially oftentimes women are the ones that are you know, carrying an extra burden of taking kids that they're being homeschooled, need attention, uh, but they're just generally so generous with their time. So, you know, they, they don't want to take time for themselves. Uh, and so they, they won't engage in these practices, even though they know they should. Um, and, and that's where I come in really strong, Catherine, with this concept of healthy selfishness. Right? John, it's I just wanted to interrupt that. you there for a minute because I'm thinking so, you're talking please. about leaders and leadership. And then you mentioned the word control and I always, and gratitude. And I'm thinking, you know, leaders sort of are always synonymous with control or they feel like they're in control or in control of their company or if they're successful. Uh, so it's a little bit of, I think for some leaders, it's an oxymoron, isn't it? I mean, leaders who are going to engage you have sort of taken the first step of awareness, I need help, you know, and I, I need to maybe engage even before the pandemic and in some in, in, in the activities that you're talking about. But you've got a whole group of leaders, I would assume, who've never done this before. You know, as you say, you know, is this touchy feely? Is this something that is really going to help me? And how do you get them, you know, you got to break through that sort of resistance, I think. Um, and, and I guess the second part of my question is what, maybe you can't name the companies, you can't name the leaders, but which ones would be good examples of having or having done or are doing what you're suggesting? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, a couple of things there, because I think that's a really good observation. Um, so first, back to the control piece, and there's no question, Catherine, that um, and I like to affectionately call them control specialists. Uh, that I'd say there's a lot of control specialists that are attracted That's very to business nice, yeah. and ultimately, <laughs> and so and ultimately attracted to leadership. Right? You have the classic Type A folks. Uh, and so, in terms of this circumstance, one of the ways that I try to appeal to them to engage in these practices is to remind them that this is the way they can take control back. Right? So this is a circumstance where there's so much that you can't control. There's so much uncertainty, but what you can control is your body your mind, and your breath. And if you can remind yourself of that, you can actually have a fair amount of control over your emotional and mental state. So one, you know, that alone sometimes uh, can be appealing. Uh, and then in terms of, you know, how do I cut through the, the filters of this is new agey, this is touchy-feely. Uh, again, Catherine, I just really go right at neuroscience, hard science, you know, how this applies to elite athletes and, uh, and military combatants and so forth, which I think can help. And what I can tell you is, uh, and I obviously won't name names, but we're talking about companies like Disney, Pepsi, uh, General Mills, um, Morgan Stanley, Bar- I mean, some of the world's uh, largest companies uh, that are very much embracing this from the point of view of just getting, this is going to help me perform, right? So in terms of the self-care, <laughs> I often try to go there in the back door, if you will, you know, just to highlight it and say, by the way, it's good for you too. Um, But by focusing on performance, it sort of passes or skips the touchy feely barrier uh, and they just see it as, well, this is going to help me be a better leader. John, so what about the people that we can talk about? Let's bring it in politics. You can talk about politicians. They're public figures. They're out there. Are there any, I'm in New York state. So uh, we have 
Governor Cuomo, Cuomo, who's on CNN and MSNBC every day. We have our leaders in the federal government. Do you see or what's your take on any one of these leaders or you know, governors of different states who now we're more familiar with than we ever have been? Um, do you see them doing this or do you feel that they're practicing this? Or I, I'd like to get your read on, on, on um, sort of your take on these guys. And gals, women, yeah, too. Sure. And we'll get into that. Difference yeah. maybe between male and female leaders. I think you and I had talked a little bit about that before the show. Are there differences in terms of women embracing the kinds of things that you're talking about? Yeah, I think, look, I think it's a great point. And as you said, right, leadership is very much on display at the moment. And, and the interesting thing about and that being so real and observing people's reactions based on, you know, the various governmental political leaders that are on TV, you know, doing their, their daily briefs, it really gets down to what are those leadership qualities that are so critical during crisis, right? Even more so than at other times. So when you think of things like a sense of calm, um, so a leader that exudes confidence, uh, a leader who can balance, you know, honesty and truth, but also gives you a sense, I have a vision, I have an idea, we will uh, get through this. And in fact, we'll be stronger on the other side. Um, that, that that is why, I mean, just coming back for a moment to those practices and mindsets and why those things are so critical, because obviously, wherever the leader is emotionally, where they are, you know, mentally, where their focus is, that's going to show up. And everyone's looking to those leaders to just get even a subconscious sense of, are we okay? Is it going to be okay? Do we have somebody that, you know, can, can take us and lead us through this? So I think certainly, for example, like a Governor Cuomo, um, I think has uh, scored a lot of positive points, and I mean that in a sincere way, um, that he is really showing up with that composure, that poise, that clarity, that decisiveness. And even he can bring in some levity, and he still has a sense of humor, uh, and he's not overly serious in that sense, but he's very much, you know, sober and and so forth. So I actually think he he would be a a very good example um, of somebody who's exhibiting those key leadership qualities that are at such a premium right now. And, you know, one could argue that other leaders are, are demonstrating a little bit less of that. Um, but, but I think it is a, it's a perfect, as you say, sort of public display of leadership uh, where leaders are really being tested. H- how are you navigating through this and how are you showing up? Uh, so let's talk about the women leaders, because do they have different qualities or, you know, women and men, they, uh, they are uh, different animals and they have different uh, skills to bring to the table as leaders. Um, I think you said, are you, are you working on a book in it, that's specifically about women and le- women's leadership? I am, uh, Catherine. In fact, it's, it's women's leadership, but specifically, you know, as, as an executive coach, the focus will be how to help women achieve what they could deserve career-wise. So it's really, you know, uh, uh, between me and, and my partner who's been 76, he's been at this for almost 45 years and the hundreds of women leaders we've coached. It's sort of the distilling down of uh, what have we seen really helps, you know, women leaders uh, achieve their potential and ultimately get what they deserve. Uh, So, you know, happy to sort of connect some dots here. I think in terms of crisis, Catherine, you know, not only do women, I think, have the poise, the confidence, I think in many respects, uh, probably that they have more emotional capacity and depth. Um, to, to sort of hold this kind of uncertainty and difficulty. But I, but I think there's a particular area where women generally, and, you know, again, I'm, I'm using massive generalizations here, so forgive me for that, but particularly in the domain of empathy, right, is, is usually something that women far 
uh, out to men just generally. And I can tell you, you know, for so many of the organizations that I'm, I've been working really closely with in the last two months with my clients, that is something that leadership is just repeating over and over and over. And, and where, of course, right, all these companies are under a ton of pressure uh, to perform and they certainly have to balance compassion and empathy with, you know, business acumen and performance so that they don't shut down. But the power of empathy in a moment like this and the power of creating what, you know, we call psychological safety, you know, that people feel heard and their emotions are being addressed and, and they're being met. And so I think, you know, one of probably the key outstanding strengths that generally women leaders will bring in addition to those others that I talked about is that empathy level tends to naturally be higher. And I think that goes a really long way. Uh, and I think I'd like I want to add another. I think women flexibility. Flexi- women tend to be yeah. tend to be, and I am generalizing, of course, flexibility. And I think that stems really goes back to their own bodies, which are always in a state of evolution, <laughs> more so than right. men. I, they're they're sort of more simpler animals. And you know, from the moment women have children, or they give birth, or their bodies are changing, or they're pregnant, you have to be flexible. You have to be able to kind of go right. literally with the flow. And I think that that's sort of what needs to be done sort of in uh, in tandem with with the empathy this this flexibility that they're not quite as rigid and it's, and I am generalizing but I, I think it's uh, I think you really, you, you really are onto something and that that can maybe propel women in this pandemic and afterwards if even there is an afterwards and it's going to be an after before and after no, nothing is going to go back to the way it was this will propel women into maybe being able to um, achieve, I guess, in this new world order in terms of um, business and being business leaders, political leaders, all of those things. No, I think that's absolutely right. And actually, to connect it back originally to the um, to the book, which you know, at its essence, and, and it's a gross oversimplification, <laughs> but it's about leaders' ability to collaborate uh, and influence and work across boundaries. Effectively, and again, right, all the research shows that when women are in leadership positions and women as leaders just generally naturally do that better because their relationship with power is often different than men. They're sort of more power with oriented than power over oriented. And so they naturally collaborate better, the empathy, the generosity. And I'd be remiss, though, Catherine, to also just say to your audience, here's the watch out, right? And there's that, you know, the classic expression, any strength can be overplayed. And I would say the same is true here. And so I want to really stress this with your audience, that what happens, you know, forget COVID-19, often when I'm coaching women leaders, what I have to really lean into um, is that while generosity and empathy is, a, is an absolutely spectacular quality and not one to lose, you also have to be careful as when you're being so generous with yourself and so concerned about others that it's at the cost of yourself. So I would say, you know, one, particularly in this crisis, um, for a lot of women leaders right now, again, who are wearing, as you said, very flexibly and adaptively in an agile way, a lot of different hats, uh, right, which they're capable of doing. Um, but please be careful that you don't do it to such an extent um, that you're not doing the minimums to take care of yourself, to engage in those practices, to hold boundaries, you know, where you need to. So again, be your wonderful general self, be helpful, but have boundaries and, and have a sense of where those are. And, you know, again, it's a whole other conversation how that shows up from a career management perspective. But you see why I stress this, you know, particularly in crisis, because that, I think, more instinctual desire to say, I need to be here and serve and take care of and be available 
you know, that, that can be overdone. And, you know, I just remind everybody, if you don't have a plan for your time, somebody else will. And that's especially true now. And so maybe, you know, one idea or one takeaway is you, you know, sort of consider this and think about practices maybe that you should do more of, that you really schedule those things in advance and that you hold those times sacred. Again, I'm not suggesting a three-hour, you know, nap every afternoon or some really extensive thing, but 10 minutes here, you know, five minutes there to breathe, another maybe 15 minutes to get fresh air. That's really key. So I just wanted to, to throw that in just to being aware of it's a wonderful strength and then just be mindful um, when you might overplay it. Okay, so women too, you have to pay attention as to what you said in the beginning. Pay attention to your body, your mind, and your breath. That men and women, all of us, uh, that's that's critical. That's key. We only have four minutes left. Absolutely. So let's, yeah, what... Um, just in terms of your book and what you're doing, how are you uh, getting yourself out there since you can't really necessarily physically get out there? Like, how are you managing your business? I'm, you know, I have different people on the show every week and I'm always really interested in how they're doing it. You know, people who, for instance, you write a book, you can't go on, you can't uh, go on a book tour in the same way that you did before. So like, what are you doing? How are you doing it? Yeah, no, uh, thanks, Catherine. So, you know, just in terms of publicity, I mean, a, a lot of the book sales, you know, are through my clients that I'm working with for, you know, many years. So they have that awareness and sharing it that way, you know, being on podcasts like like this one is, of course, helpful. And, you know, I have a PR company, I'm writing articles, doing blogs, other things to, you know, just to raise awareness that way. Um, generally, as far as my business is concerned, you know, fortunately, Zoom, WebEx, all these wonderful virtual tools uh, where I could really more or less pivot from doing what I'd usually do in person, which is the coaching or, or speeches or seminars, and, and you can do a lot of that uh, virtually. It's not exactly the same, but, but I've actually, uh, ironically, Catherine, probably been as busy as I've ever been in part because I, I really just pivoted a couple months ago uh, as far as the, this crisis and, and designed some leading in crisis virtual trainings that I've just been giving away for free, just trying to be uh, a little bit helpful. So, um, so yeah, fortunately, in, in my business, it, it doesn't shut down when we can't travel. It's different. You have to adapt. Um, but that's the way I've been staying busy and, and just trying to um, raise awareness around the book when I can. Great. So give us two minutes left. Give us the websites we can go to. Sure. Yeah, it's really straightforward. So I would just recommend if you were interested just to go to our main website at optimumassociates.com, uh, which I, which I co-own, and, and you'll see all the information about the book. Uh, and probably uh, any anything else that you want to know about our services. And if you have any questions, just shoot us an email or a note. We'll get right back to you. Yeah. And so on that website, you will. it also tells us how we can get the training you're talking about. You're offering free trading services. Uh, I am uh, generally to to my to my clients, so that the demand is pretty high and pretty booked. So I couldn't necessarily just offer one to anyone who were to reach out, but. Uh, if you if you are interested, please do email. If I have availability, I'm happy to do it. Uh, the other thing that I, I should complete here in about another, I'm, I'm hoping uh, by mid of next week, because I've I've actually written uh, kind of a, a coach's guide to leading in crisis, <clears throat> where I've compressed the virtual training that I've done uh, now. <clears throat> sorry, about 20 of with with clients around the globe, just as a again a giveaway to read through, which got a lot more of the types of information that I shared with you, and that's you know it's a it's a free piece. You just come on, on the line and download it, and, and maybe there'll be some helpful tips for you. Great. Well, you are, we need you. This is, you're in the best business. I mean, 
you're in the best business at the right time, I guess, right? It's, um, I mean, you're... Um, your skills are, are definitely in demand. It's been great talking to you today. Uh, we've been talking to John Fudernecht. He His book is Leading in the Global Matrix, Proven Skills and Strategies to Succeed in a Collaborative World. Great. Uh, thanks so much for being on the show today. Great information. <clears throat> Catherine, thank you. It's been a privilege. Yep. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 